Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm going to continue my series um, called More Than Enough. And uh, this is something that has uh, been on my heart for uh, a number of years. I actually gave this series to Javier once, to Pastor Javier, to share with the youth. And uh, he took some of my points, some of my ideas from it, and shared it with the youth maybe half a year ago or so. But I, I, this is my first time teaching this here at church. So um, two weeks before Thanksgiving, I shared the first part on... Um, Abraham's revelation that God was El Shaddai, and how that, that name, when that was re- revealed to him, really changed his picture of God. That, that name El Shaddai, it means the Almighty God is usually how it's translated in our English translations, but El Shaddai means the, the Almighty, the all-sufficient, the more than enough God. So God appeared to him when he was 99 years old. And um, Abraham had, he was still Abram at that time. He had made quite a few mistakes in his life, still hadn't seen God's promise come to pass in his life. But God showed up. This is in Genesis um, 17, verse 1. It says that Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. This is the first time El Shaddai is used in scripture. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And it had been probably a couple decades since Abram had, um, at least in Scripture that we see that God spoke to him audibly, but God speaks to him here and just reminds him that I I have a covenant with you. This covenant, it's it's a sure covenant. We serve a God of covenant. I like that he said, I will multiply you exceedingly. We serve a God of multiplication. Our God is a God of multiplication. Our God is a provider. He always provides more than enough, and he he does it one time. If he provides something for you one time, he has the power to multiply it. There is supernatural power with, with our God who is more than enough because he is a God of multiplication. My dad, when he trusted God for the first time and, uh, and, and stepped out uh, as an entrepreneur and bought three cows... One got sick and died, one ran away, and he was left with one. But it only takes one. And it only takes one, and if you trust God with just that one, he can multiply it. And he kept, he kept trusting God, he kept believing God, he kept going to El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, and God multiplied it. At one point in time, he had 3,000 head of cattle. He's made hundreds of thousands of dollars on cattle. He doesn't own cattle today. God has He's also the God of transformation, so he's transformed his cattle business into a real estate business. And and thankfully, houses can't run away, houses can't die, houses, you you don't really kick houses and cuss at houses, and it's, it's it's a better industry to be in. You know, I, I remember when I, when I kind of stepped out and trusted that, God, you are the God of more than enough. I, I bought, I bought a, a watch online. Uh, I, I bought a watch for like 100 bucks online, and I thought, hey, maybe I'll, I'll get this and try to sell it for $200. And the first watch I bought, it, it got stolen out of my mailbox in Houston, Texas. So I got mad. So I ended up buying two. I'm going to try to make my money back. I ended up buying two more. So now I have like $300 invested in this business. I didn't have hardly anything. That was pretty much everything I had at that time. So I got these two watches for $100 each. I remember that the first watch I got in the mail, I put it on my wrist. I went to church at the time. I was going to Lakewood Church. Pastor Joel Osteen was there. And I just lifted my hand with this 
$100 watch on my wrist. I, I said, God, I thank you that whatever my hand touches is blessed. Whatever my wrist touches is blessed. Lord God, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm trusting you to bless it. I sold that watch for $200. I sold the other watch for $250. He, he did it one time. He did it again and again and again. And I've sold over 3,000 watches. I've probably made close to, to half a million dollars buying and selling watches as a hobby on, on the internet because our God is a God of multiplication. If he heals your pinky finger, he can multiply and he can heal you from the, from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. If he heals one person of arthritis, he can multiply and heal every person in this place of arthritis. Our God is a God of multiplication, amen? If he provides for you one time, he can multiply, he can do it again. He told Abram, I just got to do it one time. Will you trust me just this one time? I am El Shaddai, I am the God of more than enough, I am more than sufficient. And Abram trusted him. Abram, God said, you are no longer Abram, you are Abraham. You are the father of many. And Abraham never used the name Abram again. There were a few uh, name changes in scripture, but sometimes people would kind of use both names like um, Jacob and Israel or, or Simon and Peter. But Abraham, he knew that he was Abraham. Everyone who knew his story knew that from that moment on when he knew that God was El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, he is Abraham, period. He was never referred to as Abram again. And later on, when he received his promised son, when he received Isaac, God spoke to him on the mount, on Mount Moriah. And Abraham had a revelation that God is the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Yahweh Rapha. This is Genesis 22, verse 13 and 14. When he took Isaac up at the command of God to sacrifice him, it said that Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah, Rapha, Yahweh, Rapha, as it is said to this day. I love this. God just showed me this to the, to, today. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Who wrote this? Who wrote this as it is to this day? Moses wrote that down. Moses said, as it is to this day. Moses wrote this down 400 years later. This saying went on for 400 years. The people of Israel had this revelation that, that in this mount, on this mountain, God will provide. Moses wrote that down 400, that, that saying I believe went on, you know, even, even after Moses didn't get to step foot on that mountain. He didn't get to step foot across the Jordan River. He didn't get to step foot in the promised land, but he wrote down that on that mountain, the Lord shall provide. Yahweh is Rapha. And it really wasn't even until 600 years after Moses when King David was anointed and started taking territory. King David was the one who captured Moriah for the nation of Israel. For, 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 for hundreds of years, Jerusalem was, was occupied by Gentiles. It was occupied by non-believers. It was occupied by the Jebusites. And it wasn't until King David where, where, where they took occupation of that mount, Mount Moriah, 1,000 years after Abraham. 
And I believe for those thousand, a thousand years, I believe David was excited to, to, to move his capital city to Jerusalem, to, to that place where he knew, on that mount, the Lord shall provide. And then a thousand years later, something happened, something that Abraham saw. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day. When he saw my day, he rejoiced in it. John 8, verse 56, it said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. When he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus on that mount, he got excited because he knew that Jesus was Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is forever Lord. He was excited because he knew that the Lord will provide. He knew that Yahweh Rapha would be completely manifest in Jesus Christ, in the Messiah. And what would happen on that mount, that same Mount Moriah, right there on the, on the same hills of Moriah, Mount Calvary. On that mountain, the Lord provided everything that we have need of, everything that you might need of. Every sin that needs forgiven, every disease that needs healed, every bill that needs paid, every relationship that you need to be connected with, every bit of purpose that you need to have in your life, every bit of access that you need to have to God's presence, it would all be provided at the cross, at Mount Calvary. It is still being said to this day, at the cross, it is finished, it is done, it has been provided for. That's quite the saying. You know, if Moses kept, if the, the children of Israel kept that saying going for 400 years, I think we should still be saying that today. On that mount, it has been provided. On that mount, we have seen our provision. We have seen the Lord who provides. The Lord who provides. Jehovah, Rapha, Yahweh, Rapha, his name is Jesus. If Jesus is Lord, he is Yahweh Rapha. He is the Lord who provides. The very first thing that Jesus did when he stepped into his ministry, he provided. The very first miracle that he, 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 he performed was a miracle of provision. And people today in the church question God's will to provide. If Jesus is Lord, he has to be Yahweh Rapha. And he proved it time and time and again. And he did it on the very first day of his ministry. Let's go to John 2. Let's read about this miracle, this miracle of provision. John 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. The, that tone of voice might have offended his mother, might have offended some modern day feminists. I don't know. I know if my wife has told me, hey, Aaron, we are out of milk. Usually I don't respond with, woman, what does that have to do with me? <laughs> Nevertheless, Jesus took care of, of business. His actions is what really speaks loudly here. He is the provider, amen? 
And I need to learn how to do this concerning milk as well, because we run out of milk all the time. I have to go get milk like twice a day, it seems. It'd be nice if I could just tell, hey, Fisher, go fill the bathtub with water and take this ladle and scoop it and bring it to your sister, Ada, and bring it to your mother, Heather, and let them drink. And save me a lot of trips to the grocery store. Better than milk and a cow. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So these were big pots. They're almost like a bathtub where you could submerse your entire body in water to ritually cleanse yourself, to be able to go to the temple, to be able to go to worship God. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, it's probably good he didn't know where it came from. If I gave milk to, you know, my wife that had come from the bathtub, it'd probably be good if she did not know where it came from. But the servants who had, known the draw, who had drawn the water knew. They were probably kind of smirking and laughing and giggling about. Because those pots probably weren't that, you wouldn't want to drink out of them, right? Drinking out of these, these, these big vats, these big bathtubs. This, I like that it's in parentheses, but the servants who had, you know, John was probably there. He's probably one of those servants. He's probably, I, but I knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So he, he produced gallons upon gallons upon gallons of wine here. And this wasn't just two-buck chuck. Some people said that Jesus is so poor, you know, he can't even afford two-buck chuck. Now, this is probably, they could probably sell this stuff and open a, you know, a, go to Napa Valley and, and really make some money here. But they, no, they, he, he made the very best. This is something that God told me about something that God does when he provides. His provision is always top-notch quality. Quantity is not an issue with our God who is more than enough. Neither is quality. Our more than enough God, man, he is a quality kind of God, and he is also a quantity kind of God. His provision is always top-notch quality. You can write that down. That's one of my main points. God's provision, our God of more than enough, his provision is always top-notch quality. Man, I love this story. This is, this is the very first miracle of Jesus. This is a miracle of provision. It's, it's, um, man, it excites me. I'm sure his disciples got really excited, thinking, man, if he can do this, and I think there's a lot to it. Man, from this, they probably thought, man, whenever there's a wedding in Cana, we need to, we need to have Jesus there. <laughs> Always invite Jesus to your party. 
I believe all of his servants, everyone knew that what had gone on behind the scenes. I, I guarantee that every single wedding, every single bar mitzvah, every single birthday party, every single Rosh Hashanah, every, he got more in party invites than any person in all of Galilee. So this is my word for the church today. Always invite Jesus to your party. Invite him to your wedding. Invite him into your marriage. Invite him into your family. Invite him into your career. Invite him into your finances. Invite him into your health. Invite him into your church. Everything is better with Jesus. The church is always better with Jesus. And Jesus did something really radical here, too. He started shaking up some, some old covenant traditions. These pots, they, they represented the old covenant way to sanctify yourself, to purify yourself, to, to try to come before God. You had to get in those pots and wash away all your filth, wash away all your sin, wash away all your, your, your stains and your, your impurities, and still you'd often not be good enough. Jesus, when he said, fill, the, fill those pots for sanctification, fill them up to the brim. And he turned it into wine. He was showing them symbolically that there's going to be something new happening. The old covenant way of accessing God, the old covenant way of purifying yourself, it really isn't that good. I have something better. My way to purify you is so much better. I'm going to purify you with, with the wine of the new covenant with my own blood. And this type of purification, it is going to be more than enough. There is a better way to come before God. There is a better way to be purified. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wash yourself with holy water. You don't have to take a bath to come to church. Please do. But if you want to access God's throne, if you want to access the Holy of Holies, you can do so boldly because Jesus is the one who washes us. He is the one who sanctifies us. He is the one who purifies us. And I love that, man, he, tur he turned this into the very best wine. This wine is a symbol of the new covenant. Jesus said so himself at the last supper. This is a symbol of the new covenant. This is a symbol of my blood, which is going to be shed for you. This new wine cannot be put in old wineskins. If Jesus, man, man, if he did some kind of miracle and said, hey, get all the wineskins you can find and put this new wine in it, Fill it up with water and watch this, you know, that, that new wine, all that water, it would have burst those wineskins. So he, he put his new wine in something that couldn't break. Today, as New Testament believers, Jesus puts his new wine, he puts his blood, he puts his life, he puts his spirit into something that cannot break. When you believe on Jesus, he gives you his spirit. He gives you his eternal, his resurrected spirit. If the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He, now now when, when, he, when he makes you righteous, when he, he fills you with his power, fills you with his spirit, he's got to put it in something that cannot break. When God gives to you, he gives to you in your new created spirit. In your eternal spirit. That is where the abundant life is placed. In the indestructible, ever-living place where the seed of the Word of God has taken root. We are born of that, right? 
That's why he put that wine in something that wouldn't break. God places his very best in you because, man, in your spirit, you are indestructible. You cannot break. You cannot crack. You cannot be split open. It doesn't matter how hard-pressed you are on the outside. You think of those vats, it doesn't matter how hard you punch those vats. That wine wasn't going to spill out. And when you believe on him, when you're born of him, when you're born again, when you believe on the word of God, he gives you a new heart, a new spirit, a new life. It cannot be broken. It cannot crack. It cannot split open. He gave you an indestructible, eternal spirit. Amen. And I love what this master of this party said who didn't really know what was going on, even though John was probably smirking about it. That's why he put it in parentheses. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. That, that's, that's actually very prophetic of how the, the world is. In the world, everything gets worse over time. The longer you stay at the party, the more you should, you should have left long ago. <laughs> the stuff that keeps getting put out, the later you go, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. That is true. You don't even know what you're drinking by the end of the party. <laughs> Most things in the world get worse over time. Things depreciate, things age, things rust, things fall apart. But with Jesus, it's the complete opposite of the way the world is. With Jesus, everything gets better and better. If Jesus is living on the inside of you, I guarantee that your best days are still ahead of you. Proverbs 4.18 says, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Man, the perfect day is when you get to see Jesus face to face. Everything gets better with Jesus. So I know that our God, who is a God of more than enough, he's a God of multiplication. I know that his provision, it is always top-notch quality. Amen. So quality is, is, is an aspect of God's provision, also quantity. Quantity is no problem for Jesus. It is no problem for Jehovah Rapha, for Yahweh Rapha. The Lord who provides quantity is no problem for Jesus. Let's go to John 6 and start in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. I want to stop here, and I just want to just bring out a couple important points from what I've read so far. 
So it says this is, this is um, right before the Passover is about ready to happen. This is important because they're saying that probably if you went shopping, if you found the nearest town, if you went out to the marketplace, you know, this, this is a big deal. Passover is a big deal. The, the grocery store is going to be wiped out. It's like shopping when, when you know, we went down into, into a two-week lockdown for COVID. I, my wife sent me to shop. Aaron, we're out of milk. We're out of spaghetti. I couldn't even find a spaghetti noodle, a spaghetto. That's actually the proper Italian way to, there was not even a single spaghetto. If you speak Italian, you will be grateful that I used the proper ending. If someone spray paints on the wall, if it's one spray painting, it's a graffito. It's multiple, it's graffiti. Anyways, you're all smarter for having come to church tonight. I went shopping, trying to find spaghetti for Heather. I could not find a single spaghetto, Heather. I'm very sorry. She's like, what are you talking about, Aaron? Spaghetto. It's true. You can, you can go Google it later. And... I have a doctorate in, in, in music, and I learn random things like this. So Philip said, you know, even if we go shopping for bread, there's no toilet paper. <laughs> Supply chain issues. It's the Passover, Jesus. There's a lot of people here. We're on the desert. And Jesus is kind of like toying with him. Where, where, where shall we buy bread? There's nowhere to buy it. And... But Jesus was testing him. You know, God, God actually tested Abram, tested Abraham. See if he knew that, do you really believe that I can provide? Abraham passed the test. Philip did not. Philip actually flunked this test with flying colors. His response is extremely carnal. You know, Abraham, as he's walking, you know, to, to Mount Moriah with Isaac, Isaac said, where's the offering? You know, we have the, the fire, we have the, the, the sticks, but where's the offering? He said, God will provide. God, he, he prophesied that God would provide. He prophesied what he would have that complete revelation of, that he is the Lord who provides. Philip, Philip said something much more carnal. He said, 200 denarii. So he's just thinking very carnal. 200 denarii, that's, that's 200 days wages. So if you made $200 a day, that would be $40,000. So he's saying $40,000 of bread. If I could go spend $40,000 of my hard-earned money, which I don't know if Jesus would pay Philip that much for working for him for 200 I don't think he was worth that much, given his great theological responses. Philip was probably an intern and didn't get paid. <laughs> 200 denarii worth of bread, it's, it's not sufficient. It's not enough for them, that every one of them may have a little. He's just really gravitating towards not sufficient just to have a little. He, he's really got a problem in his mentality. He has a lack mentality. Jesus tested him. And Jesus, Jesus knew that this mentality in Philip, it was actually, it was actually not just a, an issue concerning how are we going to feed these people, but it, there's a, 
a deeper issue here. Do, do you think that I am enough, Philip? Do you think that I, do you really believe that I am Lord, Philip? Do you really believe that I am the Lord who can provide? Do you really believe that I am sufficient, Philip? He tested him here, and Philip actually revealed his heart later on at the Last Supper of all places. John 14, go to John 14. And we see, we see that, that Jesus was kind of scratching at the surface of something deeper that was a problem in Philip's heart. John 14, verse 6. Jesus says one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Jesus said to him, said to his followers there at the Last Supper, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That, that, that is doctrine right there. And, and I, I read a study recently that 50% of the American church does not believe this. They believe that, that you can get to God apart from Jesus. The words of Jesus are not enough. A lot of people struggle in realizing that Jesus is all-sufficient. Jesus is all you need. He is, all you, he is really the only one you need. He is really the only way to God the Father. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus said, if, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. Me and the father are one and the same. Just a, a, a foundational pillar to, to our understanding of who Jesus is. And Philip said to him, and I know, I know people still, still grapple with this foundational belief today. Just like Philip struggled with it, Jesus, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Philip was saying, Jesus, you're not enough. Jesus, it, you, you don't suffice. Everything I've seen you do, everything I've heard you teach, every, every, it's not enough. John, John 14 is a powerful chapter. This, this, is, this is after Jesus had been with his disciples for three years. And, and I, I like to look at all, this is a good study to go through John 14 and read every black statement in, in John 14. And you'll just see how, how Jesus' heart probably ached for these people, his disciples who just had no clue. But thankfully, he went to the cross he was raised from the, from, from the grave. He met his disciples again. He breathed on them. I believe that's when they were born again. And, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and just rattled their brains. And they, they got it a lot quicker. Go, go back to John, John 6. So verse 7, Philip said, 200 denarii worth of bread. $40,000, let's say, it's not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Just very, very lack mentality, very not trusting Jesus. And you have to, you have to trust Jesus at that, that first point. You know, I, I, I like starting with, with Abraham's revelation that he is the Lord who provides. That's the first redemptive name of God found in the Old Testament. You have to believe that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is more than enough, that he provides more, his sacrifice is more than enough. 
to cover my sin. His power is more than enough. His life in me is more than enough for me to live the Christian life. His words are more than enough for me to, 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 to base my faith upon. Everything, everything about Jesus is more than enough. All provision is found in Jesus. So verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. I wish he would have just stopped right there. Because then I think he would have gotten an A on that test. Because he, he's looking at for what they have. When, when, you're, when you're believing God for provision, look at, look at what you have. It might not be a lot, but if God's given, to you it, given it to you, he can, multiply, he can do something with it. So he could have just stopped right there. There's a lad here who has five barlows and two small fish. If he just stopped there, he would have gotten an A on that test. But he said, but what are these among so many? So he kind of dropped down to a C right there. Fisher's a second grade teacher is here. I'll, I'll ask her about the grading system here. That's how I would grade. Philip and Andrew. Then Jesus said, he just skips to the good part. Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, say that with me, and when he had given thanks, say when he had given thanks, when he had given thanks. What do you think would have happened if Jesus had given a complaint? Or maybe if he had he, he, I like that he didn't even, even um, take time to correct Philip or Andrew. Sometimes you don't need to worry about spending time writing a big essay, writing, you know, I need to preach to you for, for 10 hours on how I am more than enough. He just demonstrated it. How cool is that? He, he could have he he chastised Philip. He could have chastised Andrew. He could have... But he, he gave thanks. Then he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled. Say, when they were filled. When they were filled. They were filled. And Philip said, $40,000 can't even get them a little. Andrew said, what are these amongst them? They were just both... We can't even give these people a crumb. I, we can't even give them communion, Jesus. Like five loaves. I don't think they were doing communion yet because the Last Supper hadn't happened yet. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them, them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. I love that Jesus, you know, he just, he just skipped to the good part. He just demonstrated that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord who provides. Jesus did not have a lack mentality he, because he is not a God of lack. He, he, he did not come to say, I, I came to give you a little. 
of the good stuff. I came to give you a little of the good life. No, I came to give you an abundance of, of my life, an abundance of my good life. Because he, God is El Shaddai. And years, years ago, I preached on, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what the message was, but I, I preached on abundance, and, and I, I bought pie for the entire church. And my saying was, El Shaddai shall supply all the pie. And we had pie afterward for everyone. How do you overcome a lack mentality? Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. And Thanksgiving, I love that we just celebrated Thanksgiving last week. Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is like a sword. It is like a sword that cuts chains of depression. It is like a sword that cuts chains of lack. It is like a sword that cuts chains of anxiety. It is like a sword that cuts chains of discouragement. It is like a sword that cuts demonic oppression. Thanksgiving. Be thankful. If Jesus would have taken that and said, man, God, I really hate these disciples. They are God, like this, this isn't even my favorite kind of loaf. Did it really have to be barley? I wanted, well, God, like where, where's the gluten-free bread? Someone's going to complain about, just be thankful. Just be thankful. Be thankful. Man, just put, put a, a watch over your mouth. Be thankful. Number one, how do you overcome a lack mentality? Be thankful. Number two, don't ever speak lack. Philip spoke lack. Andrew spoke lack. Jesus did not speak lack. That's one thing I try to be really careful with my wife. She likes nice things. She asks for nice things. I, I I never speak lack. She says she doesn't ask a lot. She's a huge blessing. Mega blessing. But I, if, if it's something that I, I don't think it's quite the right timing, I'll just say maybe not right now. But I don't say I can't afford it or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't speak lack. I don't speak lack to my kids. And, and my kids ask for big things. My son Fisher likes watching, you know, famous YouTubers like Mr. Beast. And he looked up how to start a famous YouTube channel because he wants to be famous. I had to teach him, like, fame actually can be an idol, Fisher, but if you're going to be famous, be famous for Jesus. Make Jesus famous. Amen. Amen. He said, well, I, I looked up how to, you know, get all the equipment you need to make a good YouTube channel, and it's like $5,000 worth of stuff. And I'm like, it's not going to happen yet, Fisher. <laughs> but be thankful for what you have. <laughs> Don't speak lack. You know, with your kids, with your spouse, with, with even your, your friends, with... Yeah, you can do anything that you put your mind to. With hard work, with determination, with the favor of God, God cares about you. God has a plan for your life with his plan, with his favor, with his destiny on your life. You can go anywhere God calls you to go. You can do anything God tells you to do. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things. And that has to impact your mentality when it when it concerns to, to physical things. With God, all things are possible. So maybe rather than saying, Fisher, if I worked for an entire month, I couldn't pay 
for your YouTube equipment. Like I don't don't speak like Philip, don't speak like Andrew. Don't speak lack. Just say, hey, maybe at a later time. Let's work towards it. Let's believe for it. Let's grow for it. And let's start here right now. And if, it, if, it's God, if God is leading you that way, then he's going to make it work out. And it's going to be exciting. And God is going to do more than you can even ask, think, or imagine. <clears throat> be thankful. Don't speak lack. You know, speak provision. Here, here's, a, here's a good one. And this is going to be a hard one for, for, for some of you. Maybe some of you named Pastor Lawson. Once in a while, do something extravagant. Just do, do something that, that isn't in the budget, maybe. that Just do something extravagant. Treat yourself. Treat someone that you love. Do something extravagant, something that you would not normally do. And don't feel guilty about it. He said it's hard. Just, just hand, hand your wallet to your wife and tell her to do whatever she wants with it. Hand your wallet to the person sitting next to you and say, give whatever you want to give in the offering tonight. Maybe that, that just, that just, you're getting, you're breaking out into a cold sweat right now. Just thinking of, of the possibility of this word extravagant. You know what? I, when, when I finished my master's degree, I, 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 I finished my master's. I, I, um, I was unemployed. I, um, I was living in Houston. I, I, um, I was kind of in a low place. I, I, I had to start paying back all my student loans. I had around $30,000 in student loans, and I didn't have any job, any any furniture in my apartment. I had subleased my apartment and the person didn't pay me for most of the summer and threw out my, threw out my furniture. I was sleeping on an air mattress. And I believe God that, that I, I, I trusted God that within a year I'd have all my student debt paid off. This is before I pleaded with Bernie Sanders to forgive my student loan debt. <laughs> I went straight to the God who is more than enough. I went straight to the Lord who provides and I said, God, I want to pay this off in here. So I, I worked hard. I, I pinched every penny. I, I wouldn't even buy napkins. I would go, I would, I would go to the university and, and get paper towels out of the bathroom to use as my napkins. Any penny I could save, I would save. For an entire year, I lived like that. And, and exactly at a year from when I asked God to pay off all my debt, Within a year, I paid it off. I paid off that last $2,000 chunk, and I had $16 left over in my bank account. But I paid it all off in one year while being unemployed. And I was diligent. But twice that year, I did something extravagant. And for me at that time, extravagance was eating out at Chipotle. My, my ex treat myself kind of day was going to Chipotle. I did it once on my birthday and once for some other reason. So extravagance can mean different things to different people. So if, if you are, are you know, using free napkins to save money right now, don't, don't, maybe don't go to the Broadmoor tonight and spend $1,000 on a bottle of wine saying, you know, don't, don't do that. 
But do something extravagant. How to overcome a lack of mentality. Number four, be a giver. Be a big giver. Be an extravagant giver. This is kind of my last point, but it's actually a question for you. What is the currency of heaven? What is the currency of heaven? Does God accept U.S. dollars? Yes, he does. This church does. You can give with U.S. dollars tonight. (laughs) Does God accept Japanese yen? Yes, he does. The yen is down a little bit right now. Praise God, I've been buying some nice watches from Japan. Because they're like... 50 cents on the dollar right now because the yen is so down. Does he accept the euro? Yes. Does he accept silver? Yes. Does he accept gold? Frankincense, myrrh. I'm just a poor boy too. Does he accept songs from your drum? I don't like that song. We sang it last Christmas Eve. We're not going to sing it this Christmas Eve. I wanted to remove that line. I'm just a poor boy too. After Jesus probably just got millions of dollars of gold given to him from these Magi that traveled across the world to give him a gift, and it probably wasn't just a poor offering. Jesus. Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Look at that gold. Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Jesus. I bet if your family has to flee to Egypt, they'll be able to live for years off of that gold. Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Jesus, I I believe that you can travel around with 12 disciples and feed them and house them and take care of them for three years. Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. He takes alabaster jars full of perfume. He, he takes two mites. He takes five loaves and two fish. What is the currency of heaven? The faith is the currency of heaven. Whatever you give, it has to be given by faith. It can be a lamb. It can be vegetables, but it has to be given by faith. Why was Abel's offering accepted and Cain's offering not accepted? Abel gave by faith. Cain did not give by faith. It doesn't really matter what you give, but how you give. Faith is the currency of heaven. And if you are giving by faith, faith is going to affect how, how you give too. If you really believe that, that God is, he is a God of more than enough, that is going to affect if, if you really believe that, that is going to affect how you, how you give. It is going to affect the quality that you give. It is going to affect the quantity that you give, and it's also going to affect the consistency in which you give. I'm going to talk next week about more than enough consistency. God is a giving God consistently. So this is my conclusion. Jesus, say this with me, Jesus, you are sufficient. You are all sufficient. You are everything. You are everything that I need. You are everything that I desire. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In the mount of the Lord, it has been provided. At Mount Calvary, at the cross, it has been provided. Everything has been provided. Jesus, I put my trust in you. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. 
If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.